Welcome to Mac Geek Gab episode 925 for Monday, April 25th, 2022. Geekab, the show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We mash all of that together, answering your questions when we can, sharing your tips, sharing your cool stuff found, sharing our cool stuff found, sharing our tips, with the goal being that each and every one of us learns at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Wealthfront.com slash MGG, where you can go to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Luminskin.com slash MGG to get a free trial of Lumen's products. Going to make you look great and feel great. And uh, NewRelic.com slash MGG, where you get 100 gigs of data free forever with this amazing Service for server admins and software engineers. We'll talk more in depth about each and every one of those in a little bit here later in the show. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, as usual, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And back to you. Hey, I'm just totally going to introduce myself. <laughs> and from Boulder, Colorado, I'm Jeff Gamet. Well, thank you for joining us, Jeff Gamut. I believe, I, I think you had some cameos on the show during maybe a live event or two at a conference over the years, I think. Yes. I, I, I had to think about it because, you know, long time ago. Yeah. 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 But yes, I, I have made uh, an occasional cameo. But this is past. your first time joining us for the whole show. So we are yeah. we are righting a lot of wrongs uh, in in recent history here, a recent past here at Mackie Cab. And this is one of them. Having you on the show, I, like, I, and I've got to be perfectly honest. We have John F. Braun to thank for this. I, we knew Pilot Pete wasn't going to be here this week. And I asked John, I said, I have this list, you know, that we've been building of people that would be good to have on the show. And John was like, what about Gamut? I was like, oh, man, like, I, I wish I could... I should be able to take credit for thinking of you to have you on the show, but I cannot. So thank you, John. Yeah. Well, I mean, either one of you could have asked and I would have said yes. Yeah. But the fact that, John, you're the person that that said, hey, Jeff should be on, that makes it even more special. It is special. It's great. I, it's just weird that we never did this when, when you know, we worked together at the Mac Observer and all of that good stuff. It's just, I don't know. It, I think it, I, I, we yeah. all had our stuff to do. So we, how, yeah. how's your state doing there, Jeff? Have you it's guys finished burning the place down? <laughs> no, no. We're still working on it. Yeah. We're actually at the point right now where, and I realized this, I think, yesterday, um, the the current fire season, we've already had so many fires oh. around uh, in Ian Boulder that I've lost track of all the fires. Man. So, so yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I, I you can say, remain safe throughout it. Yeah. I hope so. I got to say, I'm happy to live in the Northeast. Um I mean, the worst we get are maybe a blizzard and maybe flooding, but um, uh, we get hurricanes through here, which have been pretty uh, yes. traumatic at times. Uh, the people in Vermont might feel very differently about the the most recent devastating hurricane that that blew through there. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's they are le the, the 
significant events of nature are less frequent here in New England. And I, I just need to take a minute and knock on some wood because, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, I'm very superstitious and I can't believe we're having this conversation. Speaking of conversation, I know I mentioned it last week. MacGeekUp.com slash Discord is live. We have, I don't know, 150 people now in the Discord room, and it's growing like crazy. I We were talking pre-show. I am sorry that it took us this long to open that door, and I am so glad we have opened that door. It's amazing that there's really some great general conversation, some fantastic Q&A that's not just, you know, A's from John and me. It is answers. Everybody's helping everybody. It's exactly what I always hoped we could have as a Mac Geek Cab community. And, and it's like it, it, it has already come to fruition. So if you aren't already there, MacGeekCab.com slash Discord, please come join us and, and, uh, and help shape what, what the community is. Like it's, it's very much ours. And that includes, in fact, more so yours than, than you know, me or John. We are, we are but – we we are each only one voice. You are merely vessels. Well, we're, I I think of us as stewards, Jeff. Stewards, uh, I like that. You know, yeah. It re- I mean, it really is kind of how I think of us. Not just in Discord, but for the show too. It's like your questions, your cool stuff found. You know, and and it's about you folks learning. Speaking of, let's go and talk about some cool stuff found. Uh, I have been a huge fan of. MagSafe since I decided to become a huge fan of MagSafe, which is to say it took me a year. My wife's car does not have CarPlay, and so she has her iPhone mounted up on the dash. And I noticed the other day, I was like, wait a minute, like you aren't taking advantage of MagSafe with the dash. And and but now she is. And I need to put a better link in the show notes because I realized the link that I have there. It's Scotia's got their uh magic mount dash it's a it's it, they've got a whole line of these things she's using one that's a suction cup and it's fantastic cuz it plugs into the uh to either a usb port or the cigarette lighter i guess and and or you know whatever we call that the power port now we don't call it a cigarette lighter i don't know it it i call it a cigarette lighter and uh because you're old yeah i am i'm 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 wise jeff i've gained wise, wisdom because you're wise years of wisdom seasoned. seasoned that's it yeah a little bit of pepper that's what i put on my my <laughs> head every day just a little bit of pepper uh the uh it, but the the magsafe like what a perfect use case for MagSafe, uh, you know, I, I thought the wallet was the best use of MagSafe because it allows me to have my wallet and phone together when I want to carry my wallet and to not have a wallet or any, you know, it's one thing whether or not I have my wallet with me. It's fantastic. I love it. This might be an even better use case for MagSafe. So, uh, you know, because she just gets in the car and she throws the her phone up on the, the thing and she doesn't have to worry about a, you know, a pressure mount or anything. It holds it's been fantastic. And of course it charges her phone, but even more so just the fact that she can put it in there and it holds and stays while she drives. She is always hesitant when I impose new technology upon her. And she was understandably hesitant this time around too. It doesn't always work out well. Uh, You know, as, as, as everybody listening knows that some of these things don't work the way they're supposed to. This one works the way it's supposed to. It's really, really fantastic. And she even said like two days later, she's like, Oh yeah, by the way, like you can't take this out of my car. This is outstanding. So, uh, 
So we will put a correct link in the show notes, I promise, to this. Uh, but it's it's fantastic. So, yeah, good stuff from the folks at Skosh. Skoshi? I, I always screw up I think it's name. Skosh. Yeah, I thought but I'm so not sure. Too. No, I think you're right. I think it's Skosh. You, you'd think we'd know, ha- having hung out with these people at so many conferences over the years. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and, and we, they even sponsored the show for a period of time. They aren't currently a sponsor. Uh, and I remember in the talking points, it was like the phonetics spelling was listed there so that we wouldn't screw it up. Uh, and I think it was Skosh, but I can't say for sure. So Jeff, you've got a cool stuff found for, you've got several, you want to list, you want to go through your first one there? Sure. All right. So it's no secret. I think that I'm really into my computer keyboards. And which I mean stands to reason typing so much. Sure, I went on the hunt over this last year for a uh, a keyboard, a mechanical keyboard wired that uh, that was also backlit and uh, gave me the flexibility of swapping out the key switches at some point if I wanted to. You can spend a ton of money, oh, yeah. but I found at Keychron the C two wired mechanical and uh, and. It's a fantastic keyboard, and don't let the the price surprise you or or put you off. You know, thinking this is a crappy keyboard. Backlit, it's fifty nine bucks. What? And uh, and not backlit, it's like forty five dollars. And for a mechanical keyboard, because, yeah. And uh, and I ordered mine, and you get to pick the switches. Okay, and you yeah. can get them hot swappable. Okay, uh, and for those of you that don't know what that means, it means you can replace switches if they wear out. Uh, so your keyboard doesn't actually ever end up in the trash. It just you just replace components as necessary. Amazing. And I'm all about wired keyboards, so I don't have to deal with the batteries. Yeah, if you, if you don't need it to be wireless, having it wired is is better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I I bought one of these, uh, leap of faith. And uh, got it with the blue switches because typing for writing and um, and backlit. And it's like everything that I needed. And I feel like I have a keyboard that is worth a lot more than the $59 I spent on it. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, man, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And and I figured we should do that one early in the show in case people hear you typing. Now they'll they'll know what that keyboard sounds like. Yeah. Uh, well, well here, here's my tip. Keep a wireless keyboard that's quiet for when you're doing shows. Yes. That it, again, as we were saying all through the pre-show, not your first rodeo with the whole podcast. Not thing. my first rodeo. <laughs> Hey, and I can type on it if you want to hear loud. Uh, no, no, no. We're good. I, okay. We appreciate you <laughs> you taking care to not use a mechanical keyboard while uh, doing the show. It's outstanding. I uh, I stumbled on something recently. We've talked a lot about Mont macOS Monterey and uh, or macOS in general. Sorry, and it's read only support for the NTFS file system, and that's been there for a long time. And if you wanted to be able to write, you'd had to go get something like from Paragon or, or one of these various other companies. It turns out that in Monterey, there is an optional uh, experimental, let's call it, support for writing to NTFS volumes. Uh, and you can 
You go into disk utility, you unmount it, and then there is a uh, a terminal command that you issue to load a special NTFS kext, and boom, there you go. Uh, so if you have to write to an oh. NTFS, I know, right? And like, and they even say in this article that I found, which of course is linked in the show notes, they even say that uh, listen, you, you know, this is experimental. In our tests, it has worked fine for moderate usage. If you're going to do anything heavy duty, either go get, you know, a, a well-tested, you know, uh, method like a pair, like the Paragon or whatever. Or uh, as I am going to guess, Brian Monroe in our chat room is commenting that it's much better to just format the drive as like APFS or XFAT or something that's that's more more widely supported, more, more non-experimentally supported inside Mac OS uh, for writing. But, but if you've got to write to, to this and you need to do it in a pinch and uh, this'll, this'll make it happen. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Nice. New technology. Oh man. I remember windows NT was kind of a groundbreaking product when it came out, <laughs> which was decades ago. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, right? Because, we Mac, o, Mac OS 10 uh, was already out by the time N, Windows NT came out. But what fascinated me at that point in time was, you know, if we rewind to before personal computers were a thing, we had two competing uh, platforms for mainframes, right? We had VMS and Unix and various flavors of, of Unix and all of that stuff. And and then when we had personal computers, well, those operating systems were far too resource hungry to proper and 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 just the wrong thing to be used by, you know, people who were going to have a personal computer. So new operating systems were were conceived from scratch, right? You know, there was DOS and uh, for both Apple II and for IBM PC, and and they were different DOSs, but they were both called DOS disk operating system. Then there was ProDOS. And then of course we had, you know, system six, system seven, system eight, system nine, et cetera, on the Mac. And then we Don't got Mac OS. GSOS. Oh, GSOS. I knew I was, dang it. I knew I was going to miss one. <laughs> don't, don't forget CPM. Come on. Oh, there was CPM. That was only like an, an alternative OS on, on personal computers, right? But you could get the CPM card. You're right for the Apple II. Can I derail you for one second? As if we weren't already derailed. <laughs> okay. So the whole OS thing, when I was ready to replace my Franklin Ace 1000, the, the, the Apple II GS was out and the Mac was out. And I seriously was torn. What do I get? Do I get this, the brand new thing, the Mac? Yeah. Or do I get the uh, or do I get the two GS? And ultimately, I got the two GS because it had a better processor. Yeah, it was backwards compatible, and I had all those expansion slots. So I ended up with uh, oh, and, and and I and I had a CPM card in my Franklin. So I took the CPM card out, put it in the Franklin, or and put it in the two GS. And so I had uh, a two GS that ran eight bit and sixteen bit software. Apple II native, GS native, and CPM all in the same machine. And right. it blew people's minds. That's pretty cool. And How did you so. – the, 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 the Apple II GS was a piece of technology after which I lusted 
and and came up with all kinds of schemes to have in my home, none of which ever worked out. I to this day, I have not owned a 2GS. And and oh, and, my God, had I known, please don't when I got one. rid of mine. No, I would have just given it to you. Please don't. My wife, like, again, the imposing oh, technology. Welcome. Yeah, no, no, no. Lisa, thanks you. Yeah, no, this is good. Yeah. I don't need one. I can emulate one, you know, and I have yeah. like, I, you know, I, I've run my old bulletin board system. Uh, which I saved a copy of on, you know, an, through an emulator on my Mac oh, or whatever, so cool. which is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I toyed with the idea of putting it online because there, there was a way of mapping a, a telnetable port to a, you know, a, effectively a serial port on in the emulator so that people could telnet in over the Internet and, and actually interact with my bulletin board. But I I never never told anyone how to get there. So and I'm not going to today because it's not up and running. I did have a point that I was going to make earlier before we the, the first tangent that was before the tangent Mm-mm. of the tangent. But the, the point I was going to make was we got we finally got to the point where Mac OS came out and that was based on Unix. And then Windows NT came out and that was based on VMS. And so here we were, you know, 25 years later at that point in time with the two competing platforms, Mac and Windows Having the same operating systems at their core that were the two competing platforms 25 years prior it was like this is it. But it was an interesting point. I mean, it was ironic. Right. But it it was more than ironic. It was fascinating that here we were decades later and where we finally got to once processors got fast enough and we had enough you know resources in general on computer on personal computers that we could just run the stupid OSs that we had in the first place. It's just, you know, it's like, this is, this is not an accident. Like these, these things really are, and we're still running Unix today, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, all three of us are, Uh, and, and in many places, right? Our, our, our Macs, our phones, our watches, our Apple TVs, (laughs) and, and all the embedded things, your router definitely runs, runs some, you know, embedded version of Unix, right? Like most things are running Unix today, which is just fascinating to me. I don't know. I love it. And Eric DSA in the chat room corrects me. He says that he thinks NT came out before Mac OS. You, you, I, I, I will. I'll go with that. That makes sense. Okay. But at some point we got to where VMS and Unix were competing again. I, I had my order wrong, but uh, yeah. Right. And then you had next step, which was loosely based on, I think, OpenBSD. Right. Well, that's where Mac OS came from. You're yeah. right. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. the that was the underpinnings or the the origin, I should say, of of the reason Mac OS runs Unix is because you're right. Yeah, Next Step was was the reason for that, and then Apple acquired that and Next CEO, which worked out really well for them on both counts. I think <laughs> it seems to have. It yeah. seems to. Yeah. Happy tenth uh, birthday last week to Reed College's. Uh, scriptorium, which is the evolution of their calligraphy department, which owes the, um, which has a, a place in, in Apple and Steve Jobs history. So, you know, it's interesting stuff. My son goes to read currently. If, if they, if they can maintain, if they can find if they professors can get poop in a group, man, like their CS department has just like fallen apart. There, there are currently no classes for a rising junior to take in CS in the fall. Well, that's a problem it's it's like the one problem i'm a big fan of of college being like a halfway house for kids because it you know you gain some independence you learn to solve your own problems but you're still you know sheltered 
uh, you know, in, in age appropriate ways. That's like the one problem that it should be up to the school to solve, I think. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Anyway, they're working on it. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Jed, shall we? We'll let, we'll, <laughs> we say that we have cool stuff found from our listeners, and I'm about to prove it. Jed says, uh, I have a large number of files, mostly QuickTime and photos, that I need to basically input into a spreadsheet with a few details. The most important detail is, ooh, uh, is where it was downloaded from. So it's easy to make a list of files into TextEdit by simply selecting all of the files in the finder, copying, and then opening TextEdit and choosing paste and match style. And then I found this app called File List Export that does even more and gives lots of geeky details. So we'll put a link to File List Export in the show notes. He does say that the only thing it doesn't give is where it's from, which he says he can see in the preview or thumbnail tab of the finder. But this particular app, File List Export, doesn't grab it. Uh, but uh, he, so he's, he's still looking for that. If you know of a way to get that data, feedback at MacGeekab.com. Did I hear you right, Dave? Did you say feedback at MacGeekab.com? Uh, help me out, Jeff. Wait, wait. I've, I've got my pen so I can start writing. Uh, what is that? Feedback at MacGeekab.com? Dot com. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. I've got, right. I've got my note now. <laughs> Thank you, Jed. Good stuff. File list export. I like it. Jeff, uh, you have, we were talking pre-show about how good you look. For those of you watching on the video, Jeff's got a very well uh, and, and subdued backlighting to, well lit and subdued backlighting to his room uh, or to his environment. And we were talking about how you got there and you started telling me some things. Right. So this cool stuff found is for you, Dave. Okay. Uh, all right. So the buildup is I set a couple colored hue lights on the floor in cans so they so they aim up so i could get some light on the back wall okay and uh, and for those of you that are watching the video you can see over my shoulders there's kind of a glow coming up i just and thought so that the, was coming from you jeff well <laughs> okay so you found me out the glow <laughs> comes from me yes um and it was, but that that's great, but it didn't fill the whole wall the way I wanted. So I added in an Eve light strip and, uh, and it's on the ceiling and, uh, and actually the way I attached it, I got the, the 3M, uh, plastic clips oh, that yeah. have the adhesive. You can just the, pop the off command strips. You mean? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. And so it's on the ceiling facing down and, um, uh, the Eve light strip, it's so easy to set up. One of the reasons I got it was because HomeKit, and uh, and it it just set up beautifully. It has thread support, as I recall. Uh -huh. And um, uh, it does the, what you expect, uh, 16 million colors, and, um, uh, and you have easy control over it, and it has its app. It works with uh, with any other HomeKit compatible app, and it's bright, and uh, uh, it, it it's just really nice. Does what you need. That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah I I need yeah. to okay. I need Jeff, to glow could, like you could have. You explain to us. Um, so you mentioned thread. Our listeners may not know what that is. Could you? Oh sure. Encapsulate what 
what the heck Thread is. I've heard of it. I don't think I'm using it. I don't think any of my devices use it yet. But um, So well, your devices might be using it, and you just don't realize it because it can do it on its own. Okay, so Thread is this uh, communication protocol, and um, um, uh, that's, that's uh, cross-platform. It's in a lot of devices, like the HomePod Mini. It it has a thread oh, support in it, then. okay, and uh, it, it creates sort of like a uh, a Bluetooth ish mesh network for uh, devices so they can speak to each other, and uh, and since it creates this mesh thing, you don't have to be close to a Bluetooth bridge for it to work. You just need to have your devices all close enough together so they can talk to each other. And uh, and it gives you a faster response time than uh, than uh, just uh, a regular HomeKit command through the S Lady. So, uh, if you have devices that support Thread, and you you give them an S Lady command to do something, it's almost instant, and it makes you feel like your devices that don't have Thread support are uh, are not working right. because now that second that you waited that was nothing becomes an eternity that makes sense yeah because it's happening locally it's not going to the cloud and back to 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 make the the event happen whatever that that event is right yeah and devices that that have been coming out in like the last what year yeah ish that a lot of those have thread support uh older smart home devices probably don't uh but uh a lot of the Wi-Fi routers can be updated through software to support Thread. So, like, uh, like Eero, uh, right. most of their base stations have received a software update that adds the or enables the Thread support. Is Thread a part of Matter, or is Matter is Matter different? And I, 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 at one point in time, I knew this answer. And of course, if, if I knew we were going to have this conversation, I would have researched so that I could share that answer. But instead, uh, I will ask the question. <laughs> uh, um, I believe that that Thread gets incorporated with matter, okay. but they're, they're like different things. So it's like, right. like matter becomes the common uh, language, whereas thread is like a, a common um, uh, data exchange protocol. Gotcha. Okay. That, that's I, okay. I, I thought there was some in, in like way that they layered on top of each other. And that, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Well, Again, if anyone has more to share on that, let us know. Feedback at MacEcub.com. We'd love to. Uh, in, uh, or you can go. The live tra- chat. Um, KiwiGram says, Thread is hardware, matter is software. That's a, that's a much more succinct way to say it. It's, yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's, it's shorter. There you go. Yes. All right. So there's another cool stuff found that makes you look good as well, Jeff. And I- I'm curious to hear about that, too. Okay, uh, this one is my PlexiCam, and I picked this up. It's it's a mount for your for your webcam. Okay, and I picked this up because previously my webcam sat on top of my display. Yep. So I would do that thing where you're looking up all the time at your camera. Yep. And what I wanted was something where I can look straight forward, which looks and feels more natural. Totally. But the problem is if I do that. Now I have a camera that that is 
uh, not able to be where it needs to be because I can't like tape it to my display. Right, right. And uh, so Plexicam, it's this clear acrylic, uh, basically like a big flat hook that hangs off the top of your display and has a mount on it that you can move up and down and your camera sits on that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it works great. And, and my concern when I got this was that it was going to be difficult to see through. Yeah, that that would because I, I as people listening know, I have recently been going through trying to figure out like what the right solution for a webcam is. And, and the secret is all webcams suck and you're better off using an iPhone uh, and reincubates camo to get a decent picture. Uh and but then it's like okay, how do you mount the iPhone? And and I know Dave Ginsburg from uh, In Touch with iOS was saying he uses a th- that setup with Plexicam and it works mm-hmm. great. So yeah, 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 yes. interesting. And yeah, one of these days I'm going to pick up an old iPhone to use with Camo. Yeah, and then uh, the Logitech C920 I'm using right now that will get put off to the side. Yeah, exactly. But, you can see right through this this uh, mount. That's okay. Like, so it's better actually, than I think. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm doing that right now. So, okay. uh, so what I'm seeing as I look straight ahead, I'm yeah. looking at my display. Sure. And through through the mount, what I'm seeing it are all of the uh, the chapter headings sure. for the the show notes. And uh, and I can read them. And and the letters are broken up by the edge of the of the mount but it doesn't matter right i can still read everything just fine amazing and uh, and john part of your face is uh, is behind the mount and uh, oh and now you're gone oh and now you're back <laughs> um yeah when you when you leaned off to your left you actually went behind the window for the show notes interesting um, but well, that's i it. can see you clearly john this is great okay yeah all right and, is... and dave i got mine with the uh, with the phone mount as well yeah so that when the day comes that that uh, I grab a, an old iPhone, I'm set. I don't have to go and buy them out for that separately. Pro tip is the folks at Reincubate say to find uh, the latest gen iPhone SE. Uh, that's got all the camera smarts, portrait mode, which makes a huge difference. I'm not using that today. I'm using an old 10 uh, iPhone 10 camera, which doesn't have any of that. But um but yeah, they, you know, you can, I mean, you can buy them new for 400 bucks, which is not much more than, you know, the quote unquote top of the line webcam. Um, mm-hmm. And you can find them used. In fact, they advise looking for one with a cracked screen because you don't right, care. Right, because you don't need the screen to be fully functional. Don't care. You just need that camera to work. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. You do need the screen to work well enough to launch the app and that's it. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool stuff. That's why we do this. Uh, the next thing I have, I've actually had sitting here on my desk for a long time. In my recent travels, I have realized that, especially now that I have a USB-C based iPad, because I moved to the new uh, 6th Gen Mini, I need more USB-C charging ports than my travel charger has. But it's like... I don't really care whether I'm using USB-C or USB-A to charge my iPad. Like, it's going to charge overnight either way, right? And I really like all of the chargers that I have in my bag. They, you know, it's I find it important to have chargers that are not wall bricks. I want something with a cord in case I have to, like, snake it around somewhere and position it the way I want and all that stuff. And so for about 10 bucks, 
I bought a four pack of USB A to USB C adapters and throw these in my travel kit. And now I can just take those USB A ports, make them USB C ports on my chargers, and I'm good to go. What it won't do is charge my laptop. So I, I want to make that clear to everyone. You still need power delivery, which is only going to happen with a USB C port to charge you know, the current crop of Mac laptops. But for everything else, man, it, it's just great to have the flexibility and and just do what I want. And and for those of you watching the video, you can see the little thing in my hand. But it's it's really just it looks like I mean, it's just something that plugs into the USB-A port and uh, and turns it into a USB-C port. So, yeah, I have a couple of those. I, I It's probably a different brand. Sure. Yeah, I have no idea. But, I'm sure the brand changes on the ones that I bought, too, because they're just, you know, super yeah, it, generic. It, it, <laughs> it's whatever company silkscreen their logo on that batch. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Those, those things are great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a good thing to have. And I say I paid 10 bucks for them. I don't actually remember whether I paid 10 bucks or eight bucks, but today on Amazon, they're eight bucks. So the, the links in the show notes. Enjoy. Jeff, you got another. We're going. We promised cool stuff found today. So, uh, John, were you going to say something about those adapters or do you have something else to add before I move um, on to the next thing? <clears throat> Uh, the only thing I was going to mention is uh, uh, Apple has not solved my connectivity problem with my iPad. All right. Well, explain that to people because we've never talked okay. about it on the show. So here's the deal. Um, the press release for the iPad Air fourth generation said, hey, by the way, this now has five gigabits per second connectivity. Right. The problem that I had is... When I plug it into my MacBook Pro, it says, hey, 480 megabits per second. And I'm like, that's not right. Uh, they weren't able to figure it out. Well, you, what, and what we learned is that this is consistent with everyone's experience. It's it, 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 like it's the cable. No, no, no. It's, it, no, no, no. I, I no. got I got. Oh, you got the, an, a, a I got cable. the best cable ever, which uh, uh, okay. OWC has a super duper cable that advertises uh i think 40 megabits per second um so no it wasn't the cable though they suspected that in my support thing sure. they're like oh well the the cable that it comes with is terrible <laughs> and then it just charges it doesn't um the the or, or the the cable that the macbook pro comes with and i think the ipad comes with will charge at a high rate but its throughput is 40 megabits. It's USB so that's two. Yeah. what mm -hmm. they thought was the issue. But no, I, I got very good cables. And if I plug in, for example, my external SSD, it'll say, oh, yeah, here, 10 gigabits. Yeah. So okay. this okay. is this is not this is as designed, right? Is is it, it's not going to be a problem that Apple solves in in your device. Um, mm -hmm. They may solve it in a future device if they see a reason to. But yes, when when USB-C based iPads are connected to a Mac, they negotiate 480 meg USB two is what they negotiate. So 480 yes. megabits per second. When they are connected to an external SSD, they negotiate whatever their full speed is. Yours is uh, 10 gigabits uh, per second with the iPad Air. My iPad Mini is five gigabits per second, but it it does all of that, and speed tests will you know will or transfer speed tests will confirm that. Unfortunately, there's no black magic 
uh, disk speed test for the iPad. So you have to do it old school with a stopwatch and the no. the, the knowledge of the file size. That's what, that's how I've done it. Yeah, but yeah, when uh, John when John uh, started having these issues, we. We, you know, we started doing some testing back and forth and it was like, yeah, I'm seeing the exact same thing on my Mac. So this is not this is not a problem that you're going to find a solution to. But uh, but yes, the connecting to an external hard drive it has no problem. And lots of folks on Twitter sort of confirm the same thing. So, yeah, it's just huh. and I I don't I haven't heard from anyone that has connected it to a Windows machine. But my guess is they will see the same thing that we see when it's connected to a Mac. So the way I would describe. I, I can't say that this is how it was engineered because I didn't engineer it. But the way I would describe it is that when it is when the iPad is the host, it is USB 3.1 Gen 2. When the iPad is the client, it is USB 2. Fascinating. That is the net outcome, whether it was in, you know, why it is that way. I can't say, but that that is the. That that is the net outcome. So yeah, fascinating. It's yeah, fascinating. fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just one of those. Now things. one one proposed solution that I'm exploring is I got a USB C to Ethernet adapter, and when I plug that in, it reports five gigabits per second. Sure. Yeah. Well, because the iPad is the host, mm-hmm. and and that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the iPad is the host of that Ethernet adapter, and and so you're yep. you're good to go. Yep, yeah, it's fascinating. Good thing. Good. Yeah, it, huh. Brian Brian Monroe in the chat room is is speculating that it might be a Mac OS limitation, but I'm, I'm it, and it might be like we we need to test with a Windows machine or or a Mac with a you know running you know some other operating system or something. I, I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> and as Brian said here, and this is what I do, the thing is the wireless speed on the machine is fine. So Right. Right. I that's the that way to do it. Instead. Exactly. Yeah, that's way faster. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. You got another one for us, Jeff? Sure. And uh, you know, anytime you want to have a ton of cool things, you just let me know and I can load up a show for you. You have loaded up a show for us. We have not done a full cool stuff found show in a long time and it is entirely possible that we are in the middle of one right now. Uh so we will we will we have lots more cool stuff found including a bunch from you folks in response to our remote access discussion last week. So we will include those uh, a little bit later in the episode. And we've got even more things uh, from, from, the, from other lists to talk about as well. Uh, so we'll do, you, you've got one more for us, Jeff, and then we'll talk about our sponsors and then we'll get into some of that remote access stuff and, and see where it takes us from there. So, okay. What's, what's your, uh, what's your next one, Jeff? My next one uh, is, uh, <laughs> Okay, I'll give you the setup because apparently that's my thing today. Sure. Giving you a setup. Sure. Um, my my thing is get as much off my desk as I can, but it still has to be on my desk, which sounds like uh, it's kind of contradictory, but it turns out it's not. What I mean is all the stuff that would otherwise just be sitting on the surface of my desk, find a way to to mount it so that it's off the sides. Okay. And uh, and uh, so like my studio lights, that's how they are. They're clamped to the sides of the desk, so they're up above. And uh, and my iPad that's sitting off to the side right now that I'm using as an extra display so I can look at the whole Discord chat, 
It's in the uh, 12 South hover bar duo stand. And they call it the duo because it comes with this nice, really nice weighted base. So you can just set it on something. And it even has like a little tray for your Apple pencil. I took that off and I put the clamp on and it's clamped to the side of my desk. So I actually have my iPad above the my closed lid MacBook Pro and and the arm kind of comes up from behind the computer and then has the display sitting out up above the computer and so I now have this iPad here on my desk but not on my desk and uh, and it'll hold any size iPad amazing and oh, it wow. keeps the display the iPad up uh, so it's in line with the with the bottom end of my big display. Yep. So I'm not looking like to a weird different place, like having to look way down or way up or something. I just look off to the side, and then here's it's right where you want my, it to be. My yeah. iPad right where I want it, and so that also puts it at a height where if I need to do something on screen uh, with touch, I can still do that. Pretty and cool. It, it's it's like the the perfect setup for having an iPad off to the side. Huh. I, and I and and I, I know you moved from the base to the clamp. Was the base weighted properly such that it would hold? I mean, assuming the answer is yes, but you know, was there the the base would hold this if you chose not to clamp it or couldn't clamp it for some oh, reason? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's huge. Because there are some desks and, and just some workspaces where, you know, affixing a clamp to it is impossible for one reason or another. It sounds like 12 South, not surprisingly, has solved this problem. So, yeah. Ma- amazing. I love it. All right. We've got more cool stuff found coming, folks. The next thing that we have, if it works for you, Mr. John F. Braun, are to talk about our few sponsors for this episode. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Hey, look, if you're a software engineer, you've been there, right? It's nine o'clock at night. You're finally unwinding from work. And then the text message comes in. The alert comes in. Something's broken. And before you can even get your hands on a keyboard, you're already thinking about what the problem is, what the solution is. You're heading in a direction. You don't have enough information to probably be accurate about it. And everybody's scrambling from tool to tool and messaging person after person to find the issue and fix the issue and really just figure out what the issue is in the first place, right? And that won't happen if you go with our sponsor and get New Relic because New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you normally buy separately so your engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code. It, this is amazing. We've used New Relic here at, at Backbeat Media for you know the hosting of, of Mac Geekab and everything else that we do. It's amazing to be able to know exactly why the problem happened and where exactly it is. And this is why not just us, but the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. So look, that next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does. And you get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigs of data free forever with no credit card required. 
Sign up at newrelic.com slash MGG. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash MGG. Newrelic.com slash MGG. And our thanks to New Relic for sponsoring this episode. All right, listen, guys. If the phrase, it's better to look good than to feel good, is something you remember, then it's probably time for us to talk about your skincare routine. Because look, if your skincare routine is basically you washing your face in the shower with that one shower gel you've been using since high school, then it's time to level up. As it turns out, that regular body wash you've been using that uh, you, and I say you, that we thought was good enough is probably damaging our skin. But thanks to our sponsor, Lumen, you can drop that bottle of three-in-one and start using products that actually take care of your skin. So with Lumen, you get the highest quality products. All their products aim to help with those stubborn acne scars, under-the-eye dark circles, wrinkles, sun damage, dry skin, oily skin, and more. Right? It's better to look good than to feel good, but with with Lumen, you get both. You get to look good and feel good. It's amazing. Billy Crystal would have been, Fernando would have been astounded. Starting with Lumen is easy. All you have to do is take their two-minute quiz on their website, and they'll match you up with which routine is best for you. All of their products come with instructions. I've been using them. I don't understand this stuff. And their instructions make it super easy to follow both in the morning and at night. It's not complicated. And it's fantastic. You're going to love this. Level up your skincare game with Lumen Skin today. Go to LumenSkin.com slash MGG to get your free trial of Lumen's products. That's L-U-M-I-N Skin.com slash MGG to get your free trial of Lumen's products. LumenSkin.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Lumen Skin for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's talk about money. Our sponsor, Wealthfront, wants you to think long-term with your money. And one of the coolest things about having a solid strategy for your long-term investing is it makes all of today's risky side bets seem a lot less risky. So you can go ahead, grab a chunk of that altcoin, cop that NFT, YOLO that stonk, or don't do those things. Just make sure you have your future covered in a Wealthfront account first. Now, you might think that day trading stocks is the secret to investing success, but Wealthfront has a ton of data to show that time in the market almost always beats timing the market. Their globally diversified portfolios automatically optimize to hit the goals that you set and match the risk level you choose, and also to get you automatic tax breaks that can boost your returns even when the market dips. Yeah, it's this whole tax loss harvesting thing that they actually invented in their software. It's, it's really actually cool. It's worth digging into this. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people, just like all of us, build their wealth. And Investopedia just named them their best robo-advisor for 2022, which is pretty amazing considering where we are in 2022. It's like it's not even half over yet. So listen, to start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash MGG. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash MGG to start building your wealth. Go to wealthfront.com slash MGG to get started today. And our thanks to Wealthfront for sponsoring this episode. All right. Last week, we talked about remote access into our networks. And John, you had a great free solution that involved setting up a VPN and using uh, VNC because that's available for free and built into the, the OS. And that right. triggered. So, yeah. So for those playing along at home, 
Um, on the Mac, if you go to System Preferences Sharing, there is a screen sharing option. If you enable that, and then you get a V, and this uses a protocol called VNC. Um, if you then get a VNC client on your iOS device, and then you VPN into your network, that's one solution, and it's free. All the pieces are free, but that may not be the best solution because it takes a little. It's a little geeky. Uh, yeah, and it takes a, a little uh, little work on on your part. Yeah. Um, but then, fortunately, we had uh, and hand it back to you, Dave. But we had several people recommend other options. Uh, some that are free and some that are not. Some, yeah, some that are not. Uh, the the first free one that I that I've put in here was recommended by many people, including listener Mark, whose email I'm going to read here. He says, "I wanted to reply and su- suggest a free solution to remoting into up to five of your Macs. You've got to look really hard, but Real VNC offers a non-commercial account." that allows you to remote into five computers, no charge. There's no support associated with it, but those of us that are remoting in are probably sophisticated enough to handle it. He says there's no need for a VPN as the connection is already encrypted. You can also secure your computer with the regular user login as another layer of security with a password and all that stuff. The remote connection will present you uh, to the user login screen. Another bonus, we also... Uh, it will also work with Windows, Linux, Raspberry Pi, Android, Solaris, HPUX, and AIX as servers. There are clients for each of those operating systems. Technically, you can use your iPad to log into your home Mac when on the road or your iPad to run a Windows machine, etc. And we've put a link in the show notes for this. It's called RealVNC's Home Subscription. And it really is what... Uh, you know what we were describing really it's it's what i was describing last week with screens uh where it's sort of an all-in-one solution you run this on your mac it deals with poking the holes in your firewall and and getting the connection from the outside world in uh but it's free and uh of course they say it's not suitable for business use only personal and hobby use and all of that stuff but uh but yeah i mean it, as far as simple goes it one-stop shop uh, that's what i would do so thank you for that. Uh, Can I that. pile on to that one a little bit? Uh, yeah, we're going to keep piling on, but you go. Yes, please. Okay. So the whole real VNC thing. Yeah. Um, I love it because it does take care of the the whole thing about, well, what do I do? Because I don't know, a, I don't have a static IP and how do I get through the firewall and blah, 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 you know, all sure. that stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, since, you can also use this with, say, a Raspberry Pi, like you mentioned. I set up a Raspberry Pi as a Plex server. Okay. And and it's headless. It's sitting off to the side uh, on a shelf. Actually, it's sitting on top of my Synology right now. Okay. And uh, and I, I do have an ancillary question as to why you didn't use your Synology as your Plex server. But but let's, I, I knew we'd get to that. But we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um. And uh, and since my Pi is headless, I I use uh, uh, Real VNC on my iPad Pro to to connect into my Raspberry Pi, and I do everything that I need to yeah. from that, uh, unless it's just straight up uh, SSH that I want to do. Sure, and then I use Prompt. So I I do everything to control. And manage my Raspberry Pi from an iPad, not from my Mac. I love it. Ah, 
Nice. Okay. All right. Okay. Do we want to do we want to go down the uh, the plex path now, or do you want to wait? No, I want to wait because I, I okay. there, there's a place in in what I think is the agenda where that will fit. So I, I yeah. kind of figured, but I just wanted to. Make yeah, no, sure. I appreciate that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now stuff. speaking of synology, and we had a quite uh, we had a we're going to get to the synology stuff that. later. Ah, okay. It, it, so hold all of that because we do yes. have we have a synology thing to to talk about. Yep. This is called foreshadowing. It is foreshadowing exactly. Uh, all right, so that was Real VNC uh, with their home subscription. The next thing up comes from listener John, who suggested uh, Remote PC. He says, I've used RemotePC.com for years. It works really well. The only issue I have run into is that you need to be in front of the computer after a software update since this doesn't run until the install questions are answered. Okay, fascinating. All right, so... That's another one. Uh, this is great. I like this. They, 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 we're almost to the one that like blew me away. Uh, but I, again, foreshadowing, we're not there quite yet. Uh, Roman wrote in and uh, shared splash top desktop. And I know I'm going to find his thing here. Oh, maybe he didn't know. I, I don't have a thing. He just, oh, this was uh, either on Twitter or maybe even in our discord room. In fact, I think it came from discord room. So it's splash top desktop is what he's been using for remote access and support. I don't believe there is a free version. There's a $5 a month version where you can access up to two computers, but uh, he says he's been using that for a long time and works well and also sort of fits in with the, you are using this for business and you're paying. And so therefore you're, you're not going to get blocked out <clears throat> team viewer. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have experienced this with team viewer over the years where, it decides that you are using it in a commercial capacity, and then that's the end of that. Uh, you can't use it anymore, which I, I ouch. Yeah, it's like, could you like, can we have a trial here? Like, who's the judge? Wait, I already know who the judge is. It's 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 there's two of us here, and it's not me. So there you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So splash top desktop. That's fairly affordable. And then Jonathan's email came in, and this for me. Might be the life-changing thing. He suggested, he said, you can use TailScale, which is a mesh-based VPN based on WireGuard, uh, and they have a free plan to connect to your computer directly and then use VNC from there. So this is a fascinating thing. TailScale, it is available for free. Uh, one user for free. And what you do is you run the TailScale software on any devices that you want to connect to and also connect from. And once you run it, it meshes all of those devices together into their own virtual subnet. And it doesn't matter where your device is as long as you're on the Internet. They are all always part of this virtual subnet, no matter what. There's a Synology client for it. There's obviously a Mac OS client, an iOS client, I, you know, iPad OS Windows, you know, all all of the above. And so by having TailScale running on my Mac, I can go and run the TailScale app on my iPad, let's say, uh, or on my Mac laptop while I'm not home, launch TailScale and it connects as a VPN and then boom, that's it. I can uh, I, it, it, it's as though I'm on the local network with that so I can connect to that Mac's you know, I virtual IP address 
as, uh, you know, as a VNC server if I want to and, and connect. But it completely deals with the port forwarding and all of that stuff. And it is device specific. So I'm, I don't have to worry about does my router support a VPN? Where am I going to install a VPN client? Yada, 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 all this. It's just boom, you run tail scale and you're good to go. And then, of course, uh, you could I could like, you know, uh, share the screen of my Mac remotely and then do other things on my network or I can set up tail scale on any one of those machines or, or multiples to be an endpoint, which means now it's like a real VPN where I can tunnel from remote into my home network and then out as though I am at home which is super helpful if you want to do some secure stuff or if you want to watch content that's only available in your home region, uh, all of that stuff. They they can't know that you're on a, a VPN because you're connecting to your home. They, it's just not how that works. So, Holy forking shirt balls. Right? This is right? awesome. How did I not know about this before now? Uh, same. Same. Uh, it, uh, right. So it, it is a little bit geeky, but it completely deals with like the headache part of the geeky stuff. You just install this and you're done. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> it's pretty cool. You it's know, it was cool. worth showing up just for this. Yep. Everything else is just a bonus. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff found that we talk about on this show, of course. And, and I get excited about it because it, it like tech does excite me. Mm-hmm. It is not, all that it it usually takes two or three you know mentions and they don't all happen in the show but you know via email or I see somebody on Twitter you know for me to say okay I need to find a way to integrate this into my computing life right with this mm-hmm. one one email that was it yeah mm-hmm. uh, yes yeah you were not even halfway through your description and I <laughs> and I've already plotted out how this is going to be used right. Yeah, it's fantastic. It it's like it's magic. It's magic. It's it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh one last thing is Brian Monroe in the helping us edit the show notes today popped in a link to Google's remote desktop, which is uh only usable on Chrome. So I'm sharing my Safari window for those of you watching the video, so I'm not gonna show it to you. But uh but Google's Chrome remote desktop is another way of being able to remote into your uh, your machines as well. So I'll, we'll put that link in the show notes too. Thank you, Brian. That's great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any more on the remote desktop thing? Or is it, it we, we've, we've been dancing around Synology and we are only going to dance around it. I will warn you um, <laughs> because, because, we have a deep dive on Synology coming up. So we've, John, you mentioned that we had a question about somebody's disk station this week. That's in the queue for that. We actually probably have about 10 different things prior to that that were in the queue. But it's heating up. The Synology chatter is heating up again. I think we got like five questions this week just about disk stations. And so we will be doing a deep dive on that uh, in the next, uh, let's say the next four to six weeks. Let, let me give, give us some time that we have some ideas here. But uh, but it's coming. So keep your questions coming. Okay. Keep your tips coming. Well, uh, the only thing I want to toss in here, which it, it, it's really quick. Go. Uh, You're going to do it anyway. <laughs> offers something, Synology offers something called Quick Connect. Okay. And that that's another solution for remote access in that you can access your Synology using their Quick 
Correct. That's technology. Yeah. Um, that's you know. fair. Yeah, that's right. And you can quick connect directly into the uh, web management interface of your Synology. That's no, that's a that's a good that is a good addition. I'm glad you I'm glad you forced that into the show because it's it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention about Synology is that uh, DSM 7.1, which is Disk Station Manager, the software that runs your disk stations, is uh, well. I will say it's almost out. It has yet to show up as an automatic update for me, but you can go to their website for it, which we'll put in the show notes. You can download it. It is released uh, and you can install it on your disk station. I installed it on, on one of mine. Jeff, you're installing, you ran, you're running it on your, your, your primary disk station. Yeah, I, I am. And I, I won't put beta DSM on, on my Synology. Yeah. But something like this where it's out of beta, it just isn't uh showing up as an auto update. Right. Yeah, I I jump on on those Same. because yeah. I, I, I want the latest and greatest. And um yeah, do, um I'm glad that you're going to include the link in the show notes so people know where to go and download this because it's super easy to install. I mean, uh for, for those of you that don't know the steps. Once you've downloaded the uh, the installer file, you just hop into the DSM interface, and uh, and when you go into the control panel part where you where you would normally see the software updates, there's a button that says manually install, and click that, and then it says, "Okay, where's the install file?" Which you just downloaded, so you just point it at that. And then uh, uh, go pour yourself another cup of tea, and about ten minutes later, yeah, you're you going to have go. the new version. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, are, are you using any of the new features in DSM seven one yet, Jeff? Or no? Not yet. Okay. I mean, I've poked around in the interface, but uh, honestly, it's been like uh, a stupid busy week, and I haven't had time to play yet. I, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I. I I like I said, I have it on one of mine. I have I run two disk stations. One that I, I sort of consider the the backup one, but it's not. Uh, I mean, it's it's used. It's just not my main production one. Uh, but on my main one, I have not put seven one on there yet. But I have been running Syn the 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 latest versions of Synology Office and Synology Drive. Uh, mm -hmm. And that has been working out amazingly well. The, the Synology office we use for one of the businesses here all day, every day. And it is super. It's a fantastic thing. My only complaint is there's no way to edit documents on mobile, which obviously is a major shortcoming. But uh, but mm -hmm. be, beyond that, it works very well. The the new Synology Mail Plus server. And I said this last week and, and I, Jeff, I'm going to rope you into this, too. I've asked Pete and John uh, the same thing. Please, please try to talk me out of ever running my own mail server again. But uh, for people <laughs> who need to migrate from a no longer going to be free Google domain account, uh, Synology's new mail server has an easy importer from Google. So you could just run your own mail server, assuming your ISP will let you. Uh, and I'm I'm probably going to do it, but not with a domain that I that I rely upon if that uh, you know, yeah, Dave, I don't think you should. I agree with you. You're absolutely right. I, you know, 
if if that's really, really where you want to go, just go ahead and cut to the chase and start poking yourself in the hand with a fork. <laughs> My surgeon did that earlier this week. So, I, you know. Okay, I'm... so so you've already experienced running your own mail server again. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you have the bruises to show you, it. You knew me. Like, I mean, you were, you, I think your MacObserver.com mail was being hosted on the last mail server that I ran on the day that I decided I would no longer be running a mail server for the rest of my natural life. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. So you, you've heard this rant before. You can remind me of how vehemently, how, how resolute I was in that decision. But, you know, but Dave, when you made the decision to, to move all of our TMO email addresses away from your own email server. Yeah. The relief that I heard in your voice, the joy and happiness that I heard coming from you was palpable. You know, the thing is you you, you never quite get the, uh, the, the, the same surge as you get from that first hit. Right. And so I'm thinking maybe I need to run my own mail server again for like 10 years in order to set myself up for that same level of joy and relief. Dave, you'll always chase that first high. <laughs> you will never get it again. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. The full Synology NAS backup is a feature of 7.1 that I am eager to start taking advantage of because it hasn't been doable in a feasible way in the past. Uh, you could back up bits and pieces of your settings but now you can just do a whole backup of the NAS. So if, if well, A, if your NAS dies unintentionally, you have a way of restoring what you had. But B, if you decide that you need to change the way your volume is built, you can do a backup to another Synology. Now, obviously, you need to have enough storage and everything to do all of this, but you can now do that rebuild your volume and then restore and presumably get back to where you thought you were. So, uh, that, yeah, there's some good things in this whole shared folder aggregation thing where you can take multiple SMB shares and present them to users as one. That's not necessarily something I need to do for my, my limited use here, but you know, I like it's still a really cool feature. It is. They're, 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 I love that. There are things coming out of Synology, including, their new router, which they tell me I should be able to review real soon now. We'll put it on. We'll, we'll say oh, nice. we'll use that timing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's I'm always excited. Even if I don't need all these new features, it, it's nice to see that, you know, I mean, they're still committed to the product line. And because I am very much committed to the product line, it, it, it's my life runs on, you know, if I. I, if I lost my uh, Synology stuff, I'd be in bad shape, man. It'd be mm. Not good. I, I get that. I switched from Drobo to Synology a while ago. Yeah. And, uh, and while I loved the Drobo, when I switched to the Synology, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. We felt the same way here when we did it. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, well, you John. Know, I, I still have the Drobo FS, which probably wasn't oh. their best product. <laughs> That's kind. That's a kind but, description. Uh, but the, it, it, it was underpowered, in my humble opinion. And um, undersupported. Is that the one that connected yeah. directly to your computer? No, no. The FS was their, their first attempt at a uh, network storage device. Like, like, like what oh, okay. they, they sold us on the concept that we now employ 
with our Synology disk stations. The whole idea of you're going to have a big Mondo storage device on your, you know, in your home or office. What if we connect it to the network and let it be a file server and a media server and let third party, you know, app development happen and all of this stuff. And we were like all in because. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah. And then it unfortunately like, the app part never happened. No, they didn't support the developer community properly. They didn't do. They barely made their own apps. And and uh, and then it was a Mac Geek Gab listener that said, "Hey, have you guys checked out Synology? Because I think you know, because we had to like we were so gung ho on this, we convinced so many of you out there who listened to buy these things, and we felt terrible about this that it just fell flat. And uh, and finally, somebody was like, "Hey, have you checked out Synology? You know and and we were, I was like, have, yeah. no. The only thing I will give Drobo is that you can toss any drive into it and it just understands. Synology is a little more restrictive as far as what you can do. The only restriction on Synology is that you have to put in drives that are at least as big as your largest drive. Yes. Which, I mean, mm. it, it like it's really not a problem. You just need to be aware of it. Like for me... You know, I, I I replaced a hot spare recently, which is what brought Synology back up, Jeff. And it, uh, I, I decided to put the 18 terabyte in and instead of the 16 that I had before. But I know now that that means I have to buy 18 terabyte or larger drives once that one, you know, puts itself into production. But it's like whatever. But you know that going in. Correct. I know. I know it going in, and I want to. Like I, my my whole point is to continually expand the capacity of my, of my disk station. So this, this sort of forces me to yeah, it, embrace that. Mm-hmm. It just, I had a drive in my Synology die once and I tried to put in another drive and it's like, well, I'm only going to use this much of it and no more because it wasn't bigger than the last one. So that's the only thing, the only issue that I have with their, uh, what they call uh, SHR, Synology Wait, Hybrid. That range. doesn't make yeah. sense, though. If the drive was the same size, it would have used the same capacity on it. If the drive was uh, bigger and you right, didn't right. have a drive matching it, it like it, if I want to use right now, I think I am not using the full capacity of all the drives in my disk station because I only have one. Most of my drives are 14 terabyte drives or, or 12s even. Wow. And I have one 16 in there. And until I have a second drive that is 16 or larger, there's there's a two terabyte stripe of that 16 that can't be matched anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, you can't use it. But that would it, that would have been exactly the same in a Drobo. There, there's no difference there. The Drobo required exactly the same thing to, to do that. In fact, they, I think they use... LVM, they both of them use LVM underneath it, the Drobo and the um, I think so, and the Synology yeah. to do this, and so Synology just put in a restriction that they don't want you trying to make things smaller because that way they can be more aggressive about the size of the stripes that they use, and then that makes it more efficient. Uh, but but yeah yeah, that right. you would have run into that same problem with the Drobo. So it's not it's not as different as you as you might think mm-hmm. on all that. So yeah. Dave, you had a Synology question you that that you wanted to ask earlier and we're holding, and I could tell it was really bugging you. And why in the heck don't you use uh your your Synology as your um as your Plex server? I I have two reasons. Okay. 
the the first reason is because my Synology is for my uh, my data backup explicitly. Okay. And if I want to use the Synology for other things, then I'll just get another Synology, and then that will be the multimedia Synology. Fair. Um, ah. So that's the primary reason. The secondary reason is because I had this Raspberry Pi sitting around, and I thought, I can spin up a Plex server on this. Let's see if it works. And uh, so it was like a Raspberry Pi 3 I think does it will it let you do any hardware transcoding or no oh yeah it totally does oh then okay then you're then then I, I I don't retract my question but the the intensity of it I I, I will dial way back so yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah so part of it was can I do this yeah. yes I can oh it's cool and, and now uh, it works and, and it works yeah. and it works well enough that um, uh, there's one point during the pandemic where uh, I I spent some time in a hospital as a support person for someone else that that was in the hospital. Got it. And there and there were days where we sat there where it would have just been gruelingly difficult because it was there was just nothing to do except sit there. And so we uh, plugged my iPad into the television and launched the Plex app. And we streamed movies through the crappy hospital uh, Wi-Fi from a Raspberry Pi sitting on top of a Synology in my place. And so we just sat there and watched movie after movie. Yeah. And, I mean, it was Plex, solid. It, we've talked about this on the show a, a few times that when, you know, when I, when I travel – I, and now I'll connect to my Plex server, you know, the smart home, the smart TV in, in you know, an Airbnb or something. I'll connect to my Plex server and Apple TV Plus and, you know, mm -hmm. Netflix and 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 as a tip that we've shared on the show, but I'll share again and, and for your benefit, too. If you are doing that, make a note, you know, a before I depart from this, this Airbnb or hotel note to disconnect from each of those things, because otherwise you will leave Otherwise, them I'll be using your account when I'm in that Airbnb, right. exactly. and I will. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. But um, but we have found that when there's Wi-Fi constraints, let's put it that way, that Plex beats all of them, including oh, Netflix, yeah. in terms of just, all right, I'm going to deliver you a smooth experience. Here you go. You're good to go. Like It's just, we we were in one place that where the, the download speed was at best 1.5 megabits per second. I mean, this was like, like wow, pre crappy DSL, right? <laughs> like, you know, pro, yep. proto DSL. But Plex, we couldn't watch anything other than Plex, and it was great. It was like no issue whatsoever. And we weren't getting 1080p, but you know, it looked fine. And yeah, at that point, you don't care about 1080p. You care no. about do I have a clear image and is it stuttering? That's and it. The answer yeah. first was yes, and the second was no. Right. You're you're golden. Golden. Yeah. We have one last cool stuff found to share before we pull the plug on this one, which really is. I joked yesterday. I said, you know, if we wind up doing cool stuff found with Jeff Gamut, that's totally fine. And it looks like that's actually going to be the title of this episode. But the uh, the final one doesn't come from Jeff Gamut, folks. It comes from listener Stephen. Uh, Stephen was looking on Kickstarter 
and sounds. He said uh, the new Dock Mule 17 in 1 Thunderbolt Super Docking Station sounds interesting on paper and is very inexpensive, at least when compared to the competition. It is, uh, it, it kind of looks like a, maybe it's about the size of an Apple TV. Like a, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that sort of thing. It doesn't look big enough to it, have all the ports it has. No, but look at this thing. I mean, it, all, when I first saw this, honestly, I thought it was like an April Fool's joke. Cause it was like, wow, they crammed a yeah, lot of ports onto that thing. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I thought, I think OWC posted an April Fool's joke that didn't look all that different from this. I mean, I think theirs was a little bit more overcooked as it should be, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you, it's got uh, three, I think HDMI ports and uh, an SSD enclosure in there, five USB, a four USB type C uh, audio jack ethernet. Uh, You can, it's Thunderbolt. So, and you can daisy chain with it. Uh, Just, you know, I, I mean, looks pretty good. And I think you can get one, there are, there are 29 bucks, 129 bucks. Yeah. For the early bird. And then if, if they run out of those, by the time you get one folks, it's 149. So like, I think that's half the price of what you would pay for this, uh, elsewhere. I think, you know, based on, based on what they're saying, I mean, we haven't used it yet. So, you know, please, please bear, bear this in mind. And it's a Kickstarter. Which means it may never see the light of day. You are investing in a company that says they're going to build this device. That's, you know, that's how Kickstarter works. Um, but, uh, but yeah, sure seemed interesting. So thank you for sending that in, Stephen. Fun stuff, right? It's good. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. All right. That brings us to the end. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for coming, Jeff. This has been outstanding. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, this won't be the this is the first time, but it won't be the last. I guarantee that. So I, awesome. I can I, already I tell you the listeners back. are going to tell us they want you back. So, but but not too soon because they're going to run out of money. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We'll pace it. Ooh, you got to pace it out. <sighs> All right, Jeff. Uh, you know. I, I must apologize. We started this episode. I introduced you by name. Well, you introduced yourself by name. And we never we never really went any further than that because you and I have known each other for longer than I care to count. And and I just assume because of your presence that everyone knows you and where to find you. But that's a terrible assumption for me as the host here to make. So would you please write yet another wrong and tell people where to find you and all of that good stuff, please? I, I'm more than happy to do that. But, you know, you're you're not you're not wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing everyone here already knows me. So hi, everyone. Uh, but for for the couple of you that don't. Um, hi to you, too. Um, Twitter and Instagram. I'm Jay Gamut on both of those. Uh, Dave, did you know I, I've been doing some YouTube videos? I, I, I'm aware that you've been doing some YouTube videos. Oh, I love okay. it. Yeah. YouTube.com slash jgamut for those. Um, uh, Dave were you, and John, were you aware that Brian and I have teamed up again and we're doing the context machine? This is brand new to me. Uh, I've never heard about this before, Jeff. Oh, okay. I heard mumblings. <laughs> okay. Well, well now, now you know, Dave. And uh, and our plan is to do thirty minute episodes, and uh, and I'm now saying we pack uh, fifty minutes to an hour 
into our 30 minute plan because we never, never finish at 30 minutes. And, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of around. You are around. Yeah. Yeah. Round, round, get around, you get around. I do. Um, as we record last night, um, Dave Ginsburg had me on In Touch with iOS for his 200th episode. Oh, I mean, how awesome is that? 200 episodes. Are you still doing your drawings of annoying people you find in the coffee shop? Uh, Fresh Brewed Tales. Um, (laughs) The the website is live, so you can go to freshbrewedtales.com. But because of the pandemic and, uh, and stuff being closed for a while, there's nothing new up there. So, um, stuff will probably start happening again before too long, but yeah, that's still out there. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you again. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. It has been, obviously it's been a pleasure. We've, we've fully enjoyed this. I've Uh, had so much fun. Good. I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's trial by fire here doing Mac Geek Cab because as, as, as recent first time guests have told me, they're like, your agenda changes like crazy throughout the show. I don't, I, I never realized, you know, as the people who listened and then come on the show as a guest, they're like, I had no idea that things were like, it was moving that much as I bang my microphone here. And well, it's it, like, it's fun to watch in real time. Yeah. What's going on. Yeah. And, and I feel totally safe saying, put me in cold coach. I'm ready to play. <laughs> well, now we've quoted two songs in the outro. I like this. This is good. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in all your feedback at MacGeekUp.com for us. It it obviously makes the show. Thanks for joining MacGeekUp.com slash Discord. We will happily see you over there. John, any lasting thoughts you want to share before we uh, before we get out of here? Mm, not really, though. I... I- I, I get the sense that Jeff may have some advice. Well, I think I think Jeff will have advice for us. You're, you're going to go check out our sponsors, right? That's one thing we want to have people do, right? So go to MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. You can find out Good about new, yep, NewRelic.com slash MGG, LumenSkin.com slash MGG, Wealthfront.com slash MGG. At MacGeekUp.com, you can sign up for our newsletter. So that's another thing. Uh, you want to make sure you take care of your shoes. Don't take any wooden nickels. What else? What is there? Do you have anything that we've missed here, Jeff? I I think I have the most important tip for the day. Well, I'm glad we finally made it. Don't get caught. Made up. That's good advice. Words to live by.